all of y'all do this. Um, all yous or yins if you're from Pittsburgh. Um, who? Yeah. I wish Brett were here. He makes things more fun. <laughs> no one judges the bassist. You have to hear the bassist first. <laughs> in our yeah, in our church, I guess nobody does. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Like Chasing Wind. I'm your co-host, Joe Adams Philly, here with St. James the Lesser, author of Where Two or Three Are Present, Still Not As Holy As Me. <laughs> That's one of your better ones. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, the, man, that was good. The mic spiked fully. Like, it just... <laughs> Keep going. There wasn't enough sound dampening for that one. So today we're here to talk about a very interesting topic. And that's why you should go to church. Please go to church. <laughs> we could, if you're not interested in listening to this t- entire episode, the TLDR is literally, no but seriously, you should probably go to church or else you get weird. Yeah. That is basically the shorthand of... The, <laughs> and not the good kind of weird. Not the good kind, not like the hipster, like I go to Starbucks and I do all the weird stuff that's technically trendy, which is now normal weird. Yeah. But more of like the... Oh, that thing you just said would have gotten you stoned 2,000 years ago. And not in the popular weird kind of stone, but like the, we're going to throw little the rocks The bludgeon to death. Bludgeon to death By stone. a large group of, by your own village. Yeah. Right. Another TLDR. No church eventually leads to heresy. Yeah. And not the fun, casual kind of heresy. <laughs> not the kind of heresy that leads to orgies, as we've discussed previously. <laughs> no, no, no. The heresy that leads to some weird stuff. Yeah. So this conversation came about, and I'm not going to start telling the story yet, but it Essentially, uh, St. James and I were sitting in a rather generic sandwich shop, um, having a conversation about rather generic relationship things. Uh, when <laughs> well, no, we were more we were talking about the tr- the nature of the church. It just happened to pertain to relationship issues at the time. Yeah, I feel like it was more it was more church related. I feel like when we hang out, it's always either church or relationships. And we're not complicated people. No, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel like that's all we talk about. Is like, hey. How are your relationships going? And hey, how's church going? And occasionally... Survival. Survival. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it be because of your work or just my random questions, survival is an issue we yeah. talk about. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I've been watching The Big Bang Theory with, oh, with my wife, which is not at all a Christian program that you should really subscribe to. And Sheldon Cooper has like a survival bag in every room. And usually he does things that we all laugh at and are super weird. And I started thinking to myself, man, I got to take notes off this guy because <laughs> he had some interesting ideas. Anyway, tangenting back to our original topic, we were sitting at the sandwich shop eating foods and talking about the state of the church when a gentleman sitting directly next to us at the other table interrupted us very politely yeah. to interject into the discussion and St. James do you remember what he opened with or began to say uh he was just talking about how much he appreciated hearing us talk about these things uh that, that was like, how we started the podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like yeah I let, I let he let in just saying like you know it's great hearing like young men speak about such things and that they matters to them and that day Joe's head grew three sizes <laughs> yeah because he also called not only did he call you a man he called you young uh, <laughs> but the, I think where it got weird is when we started discussing, we, oh, you started asking him, where does he go to church? You remember what he answered? Uh, 
I don't remember this quite because this said, was maybe a year. I want to say a year no, ago. It was, it was, no, it was six months. Um, I don't remember things from two weeks ago. Yeah, so good, good luck getting but me to. He said we asked where he goes to church, and he says I've been kicked out of some of the best, uh, and that was the first of <laughs> the smallest of the red flags. Flag on the play. <laughs> yeah. So we got into some of his beliefs, and uh, they were just odd. I don't know any other other way to say it. Uh, he made points that you slowly become more divine as you become more Christ-like, which is an odd way of putting it. Then he also talks about... Flag on the play. He talked about not understanding the Bible and then just praying for understanding and then coming to the point where he disagreed with the Bible, but because he prayed about it, he knew he was right. Flag on the play. So <laughs> all kinds of issues that really could only happen if you're outside the church. Right, right. And that's one of those things that there were so many flags that came up just with this initial initial conversation. Both Jimmy and I immediately looked at each other and almost jumped into, I guess I would say, apologetics, for lack of a better term. Yeah. I, I mean, it felt like we were talking with someone who at first claimed to be a Christian, but then based on all the things they were saying, it's like, yes, I, I still believe he could believe in Jesus, but... It, He's inventing his own Jesus. He's inventing his own... Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And that yeah. gets super, super dangerous. Yeah. I know of a couple um, couples that went to a church that I went to, not the one that we went to together, um, but they started doing their own house church by themselves, mm -hmm. and they started inviting people over to, to preach that were very one-off dominating alpha male type personalities, okay. put it that way, and... Uh, Weirdly enough, this is sounding like a church we went to, but that's not, <laughs> it's actually a difference. Yeah. It's a different, anyway, short story. I tend to see this a lot of places. I tend to see people that go off and have their own belief sets and start rejecting vaccines and other, it, well, that, that's, it seems almost inevitable. I feel like everyone that starts their own house church eventually Becomes rejects vaccines. <laughs> I reject them because I hate needles. I think they're good for me. <laughs> I have a psychological issue. I think they're okay. If I could take them in pill form, I would take them all. There's I, a couple oral vaccines. I, again, I'm fine with that and all I'll right. give them to my kids. I don't care. Tangenting off the vaccines episode, hopefully Paul Wall heard that so we can have a conversation with him. Getting yeah. back to the issue, no, it's just, it's, I hate to say it, but people just start to get weird. Yeah. The further they get away from a grounded church. All right. So, and I think this is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. Historically, if you weren't in the church, you weren't called a Christian. Correct. There's, there's no notion of lone wolf Christians. It simply doesn't make any sense. It's historically ludicrous. I'll also argue that it's biblically ludicrous, but I think the modern 20, our modern age has made this easier. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree. I mean, with the ability now to just turn on YouTube or to mm -hmm. live stream something or to listen to a Tim Keller podcast on your iPhone, it, it feels like you can simulate all of the quote unquote uh, showmanship aspects of like really right now I could put on six Chris Tomlin songs eat crackers and grape juice and listen to Tim Keller for 45 minutes and basically replicate your mid-level Baptist Reformed Baptist Presbyterian Methodist type you could you could basically duplicate everything that comes out from the front of the church yeah, the external elements of the it. external elements so if you were sitting in your chair and you put on like a VR headset mm -hmm. right and you were pretending you were in a building you could basically 
artificially create yeah. a church service. And there's there's skits that I've done where we've done like church in a box, where I've done the impressions of everybody, and we went through from starting to the songs to announcements to sermon. Like I did a whole church in a box service, okay. and the general joke was. Yeah, you don't need the Holy Spirit to perform a Baptist service. You can just go through and mimic the elements. Hmm. Well, the, we joke about that casually as Christians, but I think some people actually take that to the nth degree and will sit at home and will put on... It used to be back in the day the TV preachers would be what yeah. they would start with, and some of our more Coral senior... Ridge Hour, right. uh, Charles Stanley. Some of our more senior members, and I think my mom still does this, they put yeah. on a preacher on a Sunday morning and call it church. No, mom, that's not church, mom. That's watching a preacher. That's like extracurricular. That's like saying I went to soccer practice, ergo I went to school. No, that's not <laughs> how that works. Although I did that when I was in school. I would I would go to extracurriculars and not go to the actual school that day. I wonder why you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, your, your academic history is My just... academic history is terrible. Yeah. I didn't start getting an education until I got out of school and started legitimately applying myself. Anyway... Um, not recommended. Not recommended. No, no, no. You should probably apply yourself in school. Um, <laughs> never. Okay. Tangenting way far right. back into the conversation. So it's really easy to yes. skip church. Very um, easy. And it's really easy to trick, to fool yourself into thinking you're doing church. But mm-hmm. why should we actually go to the place that we call church? Because you can also, I mean, there's the classic church is not just a place, it's a people. Mm-hmm. But Church is also a place. Yes. Sunday services are also a thing. So I I hear a lot of people, and I'm going to play kind of the lazy Christian advocate because mostly I am a lazy Christian at times, and I can very much advocate for myself. There's a lot of things that I've heard people say. For example, I know when I'm being a bad Christian, I don't try to justify it with bad arguments because that hurts me. I would just rather <laughs> say, I don't want to do that, and I don't have a good reason for it. Then I'm just going to sin. I'm just going to sin. You know, that's been... If you actually looked at the stages in my life which I rebelled, none of them were ever, God isn't real, Jesus is alive. It was all very much, no, this is all valid, I just don't have a good I reason. I just love sin. Yes, I'm just <laughs> choosing not to. So, yeah. for example, when it comes to not going to church, this and I joked about this in the beginning, my favorite phrase, where two or three are present, I am there with you. And yeah. I hear that one constantly for why you don't have to go to church. Yeah. So, what's the first rule of biblical interpretation? What's the first, second, and third rule of biblical interpretation? Context, context, Hebrew. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because by the, by the third context level, you really are asking, is this Hebrew? Because then you've really got a question. Well, no, the way I, it's context, context, verse, context, context of the chapter, yeah. context of the book. Right, right, uh, right. And of course... I'm joking about that, but yes, context, context, context. So that that book has to do with actually church discipline of all things. So you know, require it rationally requires a church to exist beforehand that you're taking part in, mm-hmm. and then church discipline happens. Now it could oh. be thirty people wandering around in the Utah desert with tents, and that I mean, yeah, the, the congregation does not need a building to exist, but a congregation still needs to exist yeah. for it to be a church. Yeah, I think the. One thing people don't get because of the limitations of the English language, uh, and this is where it gets a little nerdy, in grammar, there are three persons. First person is I, second person is you, third person is he, she, it, they. Um, And then there are two numbers. There are singular and plural. We have a singular and plural of first and third person, but second person in the English language does not have a plural, informal anyway. 
So you it can be singular as in just one you, or you can be plural as in I'm speaking to multiple people when I, I mean, say you. Or like y'all. Y'all. Y'all is y'all an is informal a... way of saying of saying second person plural. But Bible translators don't use informal English grammar. As right? would be expected, right? Yeah. So the thing that we lose out on is basically every imperative in Paul's epistles is second person plural. So he's saying, y'all do this. All of y'all do this. Um, all yous or yins if you're from Pittsburgh. Um, Ew. Ew. Yeah. No. I rebuke you in the name of all things that are appropriate. Yeah. Never say that again on my yeah. microphone. So yous oh, do this. Pittsburgh. Um, I could use such words. <laughs> but the context is that the commandments of the New Testament, the commandments of the Old Testament are meant to exist in community. These aren't things that we're meant to be doing alone. They're not meant to be that we're supposed to be going through alone. Mm -hmm. So within the body of Christ, you cannot sever, you can't be a hand and sever yourself off from the body and expect to be any of any function. Right, exactly. Now, some people will say, you know, all right, well, what if I was on a plane and the plane crashed and I was the only survivor and I'm stuck on an island and I can't go to church? Am I mm -hmm. sinning now every Sunday because I'm not meeting with other Christians? No, but I would say you should probably set apart time on a Sunday to do church. Probably, right. But that's where the big word liberty comes in. I don't think God is, is structuring our lives in such a way that we have to go to a certain church or we have mm -hmm. to go to a specific type of church or the minimum church is 10 people. I don't think we see that in mm -hmm. scripture. There's a lot of liberty put in place so that if you are the only five Christians in your country due to heavy persecution, that getting together once a week for a few minutes could probably count because that's all that's safe. There's no rules to order of service necessarily. And we, we've <laughs> talked through... Yeah. We'd have there's a lot of debates, but there really are no strict major rules to order of service that the Bible puts out. You got a lot of biblical liberty when it comes to how you want to do your church service. You just can't get out of doing it. <laughs> Certainly, the bare minimum. Yeah, <sighs> showing up at a Starbucks, cracking open the Bible, having someone maybe lead a hymn, and calling it a day would be fine if that's what you do. As long as you're doing it together on a regular basis on the first day of the week and there's some form of leadership that's responsible for the spiritual oversight of the people there. That actually gets into an question. So what do you think makes the church the church? Let's We have bare minimum of doing church. Mm -hmm. So what distinguishes church from two guys getting together in Tithing. a Starbucks? <laughs> Offerings. <laughs> Definitely offerings. Oh my gosh. You are... <laughs> <laughs> I I just go for laughs, folks. Yeah. That's my main. That's my like. I just try to get them to break. That's all. That's all I'm shooting for here. No, but seriously, I think the main difference between you and let's say when you and I get together, because yeah. uh, this James is Sunday. I, yeah, we do this all the time. We're mm -hmm. recording this on a Sunday. Uh, Jimmy and I, ha you know, we'll get together and we'll have deep theological conversations on a regular basis. Uh, we're not a church. Yeah, uh, we'll have Brett come over and he'll talk about worship music. We're not a church. Brett exactly. will play worship songs. We're not a church. Yeah. The difference there, I think, and w without jumping too far into the mysticism, because I'm more of the um, boring Christian type, none of us were called to leadership over one another and appointed so by a body of believers. Yeah. So because Jimmy, Brett, and I are all friends does not mean that we constitute a church. None of us have been appointed to a leadership position and willingly accepted that over each other, becoming a spiritual leader. I think the leadership aspect of church, of having some form of governance and responsibility, 
be it sounding bureaucratic, is still a necessary part of the church that is, to me, one of the anchors of the church. The difference between a group of believers getting together and a group of believers having church is someone's taking responsibility for it, owning it, and devoting themselves, be it full or part-time, because I accept part-time lay pastors as mm-hmm. valid, valid biblical. Yeah. Hey, remember, Paul did a job on the side? Yeah. Okay, stepping aside that. I, I really think that's what makes the difference. Yeah. Is that... Paul was appointed by God. Paul had people he appointed. They had people they appointed. But there was some actual form of structure to it. Yeah, I think the way it talks about it is that Christ is the cornerstone of the church. And he used the apostles and the prophets to lay the foundation. Mm-hmm. And we see the apostles appointing pastors. Mm-hmm. So those past and those pastors appoint other pastors. Those pastors give instruction or of how to ordain or whatever you want to call it. Or set up more pastors slash elders. Right. So there's this sense of unless you're in a weird apocalyptic scenario where you're dropped onto an island and no one's there and like you have like 20, 10 Christians, someone should pick an el- elder should pick future elders. Right. Um, you shouldn't just decide one day that you're going to start your own church and, because you're sick and tired of other churches. And then I'm going to buy land here. I'm going to start my own church and then people are going to come out and I'm going to be a pastor despite the fact that I just, I'm only wanting to become a pastor because I'm annoyed with other pastors. Now, I might say that every week to at, yeah, least, we... <laughs> to at least Jimmy or Brett or both of them at the same time. Let's start our own church. But realistically, though, every time I've even thought through it with James and Brett, it's always been, okay, but we'd still need the blessings of pre-established churches. We'd need someone who's biblically trained. We would need it to be ordained, preferably through a partner church with yeah. an already established network. And before you know it, we're just talking about church replication. We're yeah, still... we're just talking about tr- getting inv- heavily involved in a church plan. Right. We're not talking about actually starting... <laughs> a fresh new church. There are plenty of times where I've sat down and had the conversation, this is how Joe would want church to be. But until Joe gets appointed into a leadership position and ordained and vetted through a series of established seasoned elders, none of that's going to happen. And I think Jimmy said it perfectly. With the exception of the apocalypse and getting dropped on an island, there are too many institutions already put in place that God has been using for us to simply sidestep all of them yeah. and just say, well, nothing is happening in America, therefore I must take action. Yeah. You really gotta be living under a rock, not to make a pun about Karen, but you really <laughs> gotta be you really have to be living under a non educational rock to ignore the seminaries and Christian training programs and Christian certifications and valid churches with actual elders and pastors and conferences and leaders that have been put that have been putting in place these yeah. ordinances and systems. You, you'd have to forego all of that to suddenly decide, I am going to start a church. Yeah, I think we as Protestants can get a little uh, antsy because we're we're the guys who broke away from the Catholic Church, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing we remember about the Protestant Reformation is the goal wasn't to break away from the from the Catholic Church; it was to reform it. And then when the Catholic Church refused to change, it was okay. We need to do what's biblically right here. So we hold to the authority of Scripture. We're sola scriptura Christians as Protestants, but we're not. And I hate this solo scriptura Christians um, because it's terrible Latin. But we don't only believe the Scripture has authority. It is our ultimate authority. But to separate the Bible from the Church is to use it in a context where it was never written for. Exactly. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, what makes church church, and this is getting into a little more historical aspects of it that I'm just starting to understand, sacraments or ordinances. Communion and baptism. Communion and baptism. Right. So I don't think it'd be proper for, if my if I led a friend to Christ, 
I don't think it'd be proper for me to say, okay, let's go down to Delaware with a Schuylkill and get you dunked. Because that's disgusting. Well, yes, that too. Or let's go to, let's fill your bathtub and get up and get dunked. Less disgusting. Less disgusting. But yeah. still, that ha- should happen within the context of a church. Right. Um, because all those things are commanded generally, well, at least communion is commanded for when the believers get together. Yeah. And baptism is a public profession of faith that's usually embraced by fellow believers and your family. And at least mm-hmm. in America, we use that as a way for you to invite people to church. We use it as a way for you to get people in. We yeah. use it as a way for you to say, hey, look, everyone, I'm dedicating my life and doing this bathtub dunk yeah. as a symbol of all these things. Please show up. It To me, just doing a baptism impromptu almost removes the ability for you to make it the public statement I think it was intended to be. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, those things should be happening within the context of the church. And I think that's my point here, that you and I shouldn't get together on a Tuesday night and decide to take communion. Like, I've seen people do communion at their wedding. That's weird. And that's yeah. like, that's playing with some stuff that I don't think ain't right. Like, I know you want to like your wedding to be centered around God, but a wedding's not a church service. So true story, true story. Um, I had a pastor at a wedding. It was a cousin of my, well, a cousin-in-law of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, they had what they called Christables and they were, uh, it was a communion cup and sealed atop the communion. It was like a, like the tiny so, little juice cup. I know what you're talking about. Right, and then I had the bread. It's, and it was like and it was like all preserved. And I thought to myself, holy goodness, this would be like for Christian MREs. Like for the long storage <laughs> food, you'd have little Christables. You could do communion like 10 years from now. I actually used those last week. My church did a Easter service at a local elementary school. Oh, I love so, that. That's awesome. Yeah, so we did that and then we brought them out because it was much easier than... Bringing, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's easy. But they did it at the wedding. And I'm like, I don't know. And it was yeah. raining. And I'm like, why are we out here? Why yeah. am I doing communion? This isn't the first Sunday of the month. I'm a baptist we only do this on the first sunday of the month like yeah that's a, that's another discussion we should have at some point Is yeah that, whether and i mean that's all preference just because we're too lazy to do it four sundays a month that's why let's not let's save that for another discussion all right but, we'll change <laughs> back to that eventually christables yes or no uh so talked about what makes church church we talked about some of the reasons you should go to church what makes going to church hard oh my goodness i don't have enough time um okay <laughs> Here's my biggest gripe and why I usually feel like skipping the first half hour. Um, I don't, I have a wife, she makes me go to the whole thing, uh, but why I usually feel like skipping the first half hour. And that becomes a bunch of preference issues. Mm -hmm. I hate when the only thing I can hear during the worship song is the worship leader and the worship band and the Mm -hmm. worship music, and I can't hear anyone else around me, and it's all nonsense contemporary that doesn't make any sense. We got into this for two episodes. I don't want to hear about Jesus dancing and all this other stuff. I I don't feel connected during most modern worship services. When Mm -hmm. I see a smoke machine or a light set that costs more than probably what the pastor's car costs, that's when I start to really question myself like, what is the point of this? My favorite, favorite worship services are when, you know, some guy stands up front with a guitar and says, hey, everybody, we're going to sing a song now. It just starts to lead it and you can hear everybody. But I feel like church has become, at least the ones I've been involved in, so heavily performance based and yeah. judged as if it were a metric. How good's your singer? How good's your guitarist? How good's your bassist? How good's the piano guy? And no my, one judges the bassist. You have to hear the bassist first. <laughs> in our yeah, in our church, I guess nobody does. Our piano guy is stellar. I mean, our piano guy. Yeah, I've heard him. He's not. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but that being said, I 
I have always felt, and this is getting maybe heavy preference, the more subtle a worship mm-hmm. service, the better. The more I can feel attached to the rest of the room, the better. And yeah. usually at church, I don't. I, I get that performancey feel. So I guess the question is, do you go to church asking yourself, what am I going to get out of this? Mostly every week, yes. Yeah. So do you think that's the approach that the Christians take? No, it is horrible. Right. It is definitely bad. <laughs> so the way I like to think, we call them Sunday morning services. Who is the person being serviced on Sunday morning? Well, traditionally, I think the average American will take it as themselves. Yeah. What can me, my family, and my kids best get out of this church? And that's what they shop for. Very much like picking a college for their kids. It's what do your family programs look like? Blah, blah, blah. What are the features do you have? Is there mm-hmm. a mobile app? Can I down, Can I give via my phone rather than having to write a check? Yeah. It becomes consumer church rather than okay, I'm going to commit here, submit myself to this leadership, become under authority here, and actually be responsible here, which is stuff that even I don't like saying, because half the time, I'd never really find a church that I I could say, like, okay, this is the perfect one, because it doesn't exist. They're all run by humans. So I have a tough time, especially when churches start to act that way, and the marketing talks and the recruitment talks all lean towards... How can we best shop for people to come here? Mm-hmm. You lose that feel of like, okay, this guy was chosen and appointed by God to lead this group of people and give a sense of spiritual authority. It yeah. feels, I, I lose that. And I don't think it, I don't think church is very much, I think we know what it's supposed to be biblically, but I don't think it comes off like that much today. Yeah. So going back to the original question, like who, so I think Sunday morning service I was say Sunday morning service isn't about you, right? You're going there to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. You're going there to submit yourself to the word of God. You're going there to offer worship through song. You're going to offer worship through listening and through tithes and offerings and through community. You're supposed to be fellowshipping and serving one another in that church. Right. Um, you're putting yourself into a community of people that you probably have no natural affinity for. Right. Um, and all these things are part of God's design for the Christian life. So. It's it's difficult, I think, when you're raised in the Christian church and you are, you get used to the churchisms and you get used to church life. And suddenly, Christianese, and then suddenly you wake up and realize that I'm supposed to be there for the other people and I'm supposed to be there to love on the other people. And loving on others is a verb and an action that requires you to sacrifice. And you start to realize the fact that you are there for the church rather than the church being there for you. And yeah. it just it's a difficult thing to adjust into because it takes away from everything as an American you think about. Your house is free. You know, my land, my house, my state, my government, it all is around what it can do for me. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be the opposite. But that's what, it's the same thing with America. We're supposed to be citizens actively living for each other. Instead, it's all become about us. And church has gone the exact same way. It's what can church do for me? How can we become more involved in church without going too far in the other direction and just completely burning ourselves out on ministry trying to do everything for everyone? Never tell them what you do for a living. <laughs> you always, you just go for last. Okay. but <laughs> No, but seriously. Um, that is actually uh, a minor tangent that I might I might yield to. One of the things that I always try not to do is, is I've learned is now that 
I don't want to do anything technical. I'm a computer person. I hate doing technical things because I feel like it can become overwhelming at times. Mm -hmm. So one of the key pieces of advice we could give is there's nothing wrong with volunteering, but clearly established limits. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of times you'll hear Christian organizations say, well, give your time or your service as a form of ministry, which at church you should. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's a responsible balance of, okay, but if we're collecting an income and paying individuals, not everything should be free. You don't ask the doctors that go to your congregation to provide free health care for the staff. Yeah. There's a difference between, hey, will you wait tables, bus this, and attend basic needs here during mm-hmm. this event versus will you contribute a dozen hours per week of skilled labor on a regular basis? Yeah. I think you've got to learn and set your limits based on your lifestyle. If you've got a nine to five with kids, maybe signing up to work six to 12 hours on a Sunday full of events might be a little taxing every week. And you have to prioritize a little bit. You know, do I have a family at home? Let me ask you this question. And this is something that I hear even pastors being, being at fault of. On the spiritual priorities checklist, God is clearly first. Mm -hmm. Who comes next? The unsaved, the church, or your family? I was good until you threw family into the mix. Uh, I'd say, well, depends on how you're talking about family. So Your wife, your spouse. Yeah, so I don't have those. Um, I think wife, from a, if you're talking about Christian man, mm-hmm. uh, God is first, wife is second, children third, church. Right. Then outer. Like and you've all, so with that being said, we have to make sure that that's also addressed as well. Yeah. You've got to limit the commitment you make to a church so that you don't say to your wife, oh, but it's church, I have to be there. You don't say to your kids, oh, but it's church, I have to be there, when there's a legitimate need. That doesn't mean yeah. you get to skip every event because you've got a family. No, they're supposed to be there with you, but you've yeah. got to I make... I mean, one of the wonderful things is that you should be getting your whole family involved in ministry. Right, which is awesome and amazing, but you also have got to be very aware and respectful of the fact that you owe your spouse and your children your service as a Christian leader be it you know the husband mm-hmm. or the wife or whatever first before to the church and i think that that gets abused too often too easily yeah because it's the word church and christians misunderstand the appropriate priorities checklist so yeah. you owe everything to god first then you owe to your spouse then to your kids then you owe to the congregation of saints but if you look at a responsible christian let's take a res- christian man mm-hmm. if you look at a responsible christian man he's already taking care of his spouse he's already taking care of his kids he's already taking care of his household via providing for income paying bills being a responsible lender stuff like that mm-hmm. this this gentleman already has his life squared away at that point once you've stabilized there you then have the ability to start allocating more time so not just going to church on mm-hmm. sunday but maybe serving on Sunday or maybe picking up a Bible study on throughout the week that you are actively partaking in and eventually maybe you are teaching if that is if that is your gift set quote yeah. not every Christian is a teacher let teachers be few James let teachers be few um, okay but you know or actively serving somehow at a Bible study maybe you are gifted in hospitality which is a sorely needed and undervalued gift within yeah, the church that we get wrong a lot that we get wrong a lot those people need to be supported and taken care of they're huge parts of the church uh, so you know putting your personal and family life in order first makes going to church a lot easier i'm going to throw a little bit of wrench in the gears there i don't think it's about one one start like 
interarching circles, interlocking circles. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can truly have your family life in order mm-hmm. if you're disconnected from the church. Oh, well, so, I, would, I would never say you have to get your family right before you start going to church. Well, not even that. I think part of leading your family well mm-hmm. is leading in ministry. Right. So that those things aren't inner aren't distinct circles. They have that part of being a good spiritual leader for the home, part of just being a spiritual role model is being active in ministry, but doing it in such a way that you're properly prioritizing. I, I, I think that's a better way to put it. And yeah. I like that because I'm not saying you shouldn't, you should neglect your, the church until you're squared away. And I think it might've sounded like that. You got to have your balance straight and you got to realize the fact that balance is important. A wife doesn't care that you've spent two weeks serving at a church function if you haven't talked to her. Yeah. She doesn't care what the objective is. She wants to know when you were going to sit on the couch with her and rub her feet while she watches some serial program that doesn't make <laughs> sense to you. There's a priority order there that they want to see. Yeah. But that being said, no, it's a real thing. Uh, so, But definitely do get involved. I'm not trying to be all negative. It's just that too often we jump in full full speed and then uh, i'm just going to ask this to you has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like church was too much at times honestly no but i think it's because i'm single all right uh <laughs> no i'm serious uh this past easter easter weekend it was not too far away mm-hmm. i was involved for music for both friday night and sunday service mm-hmm. uh which involved going to practice on thursday and saturday I, we did a community Easter egg hunt that I helped set up and I built a cross and I was helping it set up the sound system. I was active at all times. I was really gassed by the end of the weekend, but I remember like lugging sound equipment and thinking to myself, this is literally what Paul says I'm supposed to be doing mm-hmm. that. I'm the single guy. I should kind of be the workhorse of the church right? because uh, I have the time. I don't have divided. I don't have divided responsibilities in these ways. Uh, but I know other people who've gone a little bit more in and have really had issues with their, their work-life balance and their ministry life balance and to the point where they just got burnout. I think I've just always kind of been pretty good at just saying, you know what, I really can't do that because this is going to suffer if I do. Right. Um, so I, but I know that it's really a challenge for a lot of people. And so that you can definitely get – ministry is a black hole because there's always someone who needs help. Yes. And there's always something that needs help. It's interesting because you've got a married guy's perspective and a single guy's perspective. And my first thing is, make sure you're giving time to your family. And your first thing is, I'm single. Just go work at church as long as you're paying your bills. And I guess that those are good, distinct perspectives to think about. So you have to assess to yourself, what position in life am I in? Yeah. I actually, I was recently asked to take on an additional role at church that I turned down. Uh part of it because I'm like, you know, I am single, but right now I'm trying to keep a little bit of time open in my schedule for when that special lady comes around so I can make time for her. And if she's listening, please like us or comment us on on Facebook and let us know you're available. Um, Preferably a direct message rather than posting to the wall. Although we won't deny that either. That's fine. (laughs) You're the worst. Um, But it's really that I know sometimes you have to say no. And, but I think the idea here is not so much telling people who are too involved in church to maybe step back a bit. This is people for for people who straight up aren't going. Yeah. So how do we how do we cross that gap of you know what you're not going to church at all. You need to start going to church and not just any church. You need to belong to a church. 
Like there's not a biblical mandate for church membership, but I think that's really got to do more with the historical time period. There were no other options. You couldn't go to three different churches on three different Sundays without traveling two days in between each right. time. Right, you had your local church and that was your that local, was it. That was it, right. So, what can we do then for that person who's just not interested in going to church or who's got a bad church experience or has been hurt by too many church people, but they're realizing to themselves, you know, I probably should be getting back into this? Well, hopefully they're actually at the point of saying, yeah, I need to get back into this. Then, if they're already there, I think one is an exercise in discernment that you don't have to commit yourself to the first church that you attend. Um, but you should ultimately, you should always have the goal of committing yourself to a church. Even if you're, uh, I've got friends that are only going to be in the city for a year, but they still want to be in one church for that year. And that's, right. a, that's the mentality to have. You should be the goal of submitting yourself to the elders, understanding that that's biblical, understanding that that is the picture of Christian life is being in a church, being with believers, living in community with them. And it's not really optional. And that is for your good, that it's not, you're not given the pastors so that they can boss you around. You're giving them as shepherds of your souls that can help you and help you grow and, and look after you and tend to you. And that you have this community to lean on, that you are a part of the body, that you serve a purpose, but also that they serve you as well. And really just Reading the Bible really points to it. Hebrews says not to neglect the coming together of one another. Is it of one another? It's it's really right there. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's 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 super hard to ignore in scriptures that going to church isn't commanded. No, it, it really is. There there really is no getting way out of it. And I myself fall in the habits of laziness where I just don't want to lose my Sunday. I feel like it's my day off. I yeah. just want to stay home. But whose Sunday is it? But whose Sunday does it belong to? And that really just comes down to. I think a lot of Romans 12 just is my life to be lived for me or is it a is it to be laid down like a sacrifice am I to be renewing my mind and focusing on these things as a form of spiritual worship or yeah. am I to be renewing my mind by eating Cheetos and watching YouTube on a Sunday which yeah. which one of those things is really going to benefit me the most yeah and I think there's two things I want to the one historically the Christian doctrine as Sunday as the Christian Sabbath has been a lot stronger. Um, it's There are people who would argue like never work and even abstain from your normal recreation to spend time with believers in holy conversation and in, uh, and in worship and in ministry and in service, actually. So there's a level of historical precedent that I think we shouldn't ignore. And then secondly, as someone whose job requires weekends because it's an act of mercy, if you want to get into it's it's nursing like people don't stop being sick on Sundays, so there's no getting around it someone has to do it uh i realized just how much sunday morning affects my walk in the weeks that i have to work there's a level of just spiritual uh, thirstiness malaise that i feel that i just don't feel as full as whole as in tune as i should be and i think People, I don't know any Christians that don't go to church that feel really in tune with God, that feel really good about their spiritual walk. And I think if you really just try it out, if you see what it's like to be in a church and be in a community, to do the work and to put in the, the effort to connect yourself and to submit yourself, 
you'll learn just why God has done it, why God has given you these things. So if you've been listening this far, like we said in the beginning, just go to church. Yeah. Please. Go to church. church. Yeah. Um, So this is probably the least Chasing Wind episode that we've done. Yeah, I've been sitting here thinking in my head, this is just pretty direct. Like, it's not that abstract. It's more of just like me wrestling with my own inner demons, to use that phrase, of like, Oh, well, this can suck sometimes. That's that's really what it comes down to is a battle of my own laziness, a battle of self-will, a battle of yeah. my desire to make Sundays about me. Yeah. And there are days you're, you're not going to be feeling it. But that's okay. I think one of the beauties of church is that it does allow your, your yourself to be transformed. You can walk into a church Sunday morning having no real desire to be there, but still desiring to be obedient and walking out having heard the gospel and feeling energized quote unquote thank you uh <laughs> quote energized to actually serve and to to be a part of the christian walk right and that's that's the one thing that i hope we could challenge you with if anything today it's to reach out to the other christians in your life that don't have the most stellar church attendance like myself at sometimes yeah. or reach out to those who are just anti-church to begin with and really have a conversation with so why aren't you meeting with believers? And if you're not right now, maybe you could come meet with us. Yeah. Try and encourage your Christian friends to attend church and maybe even try and encourage those who aren't even really quite religious just to see what it's like. Yeah. So thank you for joining for this episode of Like Chasing Wind. We hope it made you think. We hope it challenged you. But ultimately, we hope you know that you can find your rest in Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. And we hope it just wasn't one big guilt trip episode. Also, yeah, this is the end of season one. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) It's the end of season one. We ended on go to church. No, that's the point, man. That this, like, as good, as hopefully as good as this podcast is, it's not a substitute. No, no, this is not a substitute. No, do not ever exchange this podcast, any podcast, any sermon series as a substitute for church and real believers. Yeah. All right. Now, grace and peace. Grace and peace.